God will give you the desires of your heart. But... Scripture is not discerned by opinion. You cannot rightly apply the Bible until you first rightly divide the Bible. We do not get to decide what the Bible means. We get to discover what the Bible means. Welcome to Rightly Dividing with Ron Anderson. Thank you for joining me on this episode. We're going to be taking a look at another one of those verses that is so often taken out of context, and that is Psalm 37, verse 4. And actually, it's half of the verse that is often taken out of context. Let's take a look at this verse. It's verse uh, verse 3 and 4. Um, actually, verse 4. It says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, the part that is often taken out of context is, he shall give you the desires of your heart. The way that this verse is often presented and often uh, used is in this sense. God will give you whatever you want. You know, if you're just a good person and, and you say you really love it, he's just going to give you whatever you want. And I've heard it presented that way so many times, and that is not what this verse is about. Now, I want to say right up front that I believe God blesses us. I believe that God gives wonderful gifts. His word tells us that uh, every good gift comes from the Father above. Uh, he gives, pressed down, shaken together, running over. There are all kinds of examples. Uh, Philippians 4.19 says that God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. God supplies needs. God blesses. God gives gifts into our lives. But that is not what this verse is about. Psalm 37 verse 4 is about not about God giving us what we would look at as the wants in our lives. So let's take a look at the context that this phrase, actually it's half of a sentence that is often lifted out of its context, turned on its head to mean something else. So let's go back to verse 3. Um, first of all, let me, let me say about Psalm 37 that uh, again, it is another one of the Psalms that is a Hebrew alphabetic acrostic. In other words, the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet are used as uh, sequentially for couplets of phrases in the Hebrew. So it starts off with Aleph, Beth, and Gimel, and goes on down through the Hebrew alphabet, and each letter starts the next couplet of phrases. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, so there'd be 22 couplets. In the English translations, there are 40 verses in Psalm 37. So, And they very much sound like Proverbs. You read some of the Proverbs and you read Psalm 37, they sound very similar. So that's the structure of this psalm. Now, I also want to say in the paragraph, which is extremely important in, in understanding context, in the paragraph that verse 4, and actually the second half of verse 4, uh, is found in, there are at least 11 imperative commands or conditional imperatives. In other words, it's like, if you do this, then this. It's a conditional imperative. So what we start with in verse 3 is this, trust in the Lord. That's the first imperative. Trust in the Lord, wholly rely on him, and do good. 
Okay, dwell in the land. There's another one. Now, dwell in the land here means to be dependent upon God's provision. It's it's not so much literally about a geographical boundary of land as much as it is depending upon the Lord. Dwell in the land. Um, rely upon him. Trust in him and rely upon him. And feed on his faithfulness. Let that his faithfulness be your sustenance. Obviously, that means in a, a spiritual sense would be the focus here. Delight yourselves also in the Lord. So trust, dwell, feed, delight, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Preceding this phrase, this promise, this first promise in this section are these four conditional imperatives, these commands, trust, dwell, feed, delight. If we're not obedient to those things and applying those things to our lives, he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, we're going to come back to, in the end, we're going to wrap this up and come back to this particular phrase in the, in the context of the whole paragraph. So then it continues on, verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. So there's two more, and he shall bring it to pass. So there's another promise, but there's two more. So we have one, two, three, four, five, at least six in the first five verses that are conditional imperatives, commands that we're to be doing these things. Okay, going on in the passage, verse 6, he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently on him. There's two more conditional imperatives, uh, commands. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. When we see evil people prospering and in a sense being blessed, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Uh, don't worry about that. Don't be consumed about that. Don't be anxious about that. Uh, don't, don't let that just totally derail you in your faith. Delight in him. Don't look at these other things. Don't be overwhelmed with these other things that are going on. And then in verse 8, Here's three more. Cease from anger, forsake wrath, and do not fret. Repeat it again. So um, that, it concludes there, it only causes harm. So in these verses, in these eight verses we just looked at, there are at least 11 commands of things we are to do. Let's say our responsibilities, which then go back to he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, um, there are a number of places in the Bible, a lot of places in the Bible that talk about the heart and the condition of the heart. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, uh, the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Um, we're, we're told in, um, uh, let's see, let's say, um, Matthew, don't lay for your, lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give the desires of your heart. He will give you the desires of your heart. So, the overall context of this verse is setting it up or explaining it in the sense that when God is our complete satisfaction, he gives us our heart's desire, which is him. It's not about things. It's not about getting things. 
Uh, Jesus, in dealing with the rich, if it were about things, why did Jesus tell the rich young ruler to go and sell all that he has? You can, uh, where's that? That's Matthew um, 19, Matthew 19, we have the rich young ruler. So you, you read that account. He had all the things that the world says we need to be happy and possessions and position and, and prosperity. He had all of those things. But Jesus, Jesus said, listen, go sell everything that you have. Get rid of everything. Don't find your delight in things or your, your desire. Don't let your heart desire those things. Desire me. Okay, delight in me, not in things. And that young man went away sad because those possessions possessed his heart. And there are a number of other examples um, in Scripture. Uh, Matthew 22 says about the heart, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. With all your heart. Okay, so there's a lot to say. The Scripture has a lot to say about the heart. In this context... And again, I want to say, I believe that God blesses us, in, in sometimes in miraculous ways, in wonderful ways. But this passage is not about getting what we want. It's not about handing God or giving God our desire list, our wish list. Here, God, uh, I really love you. Now, will you give me these things? That's not what it's about. This passage is actually about our complete submission and surrender, trust, dwell, feed, delight, trust, commit my way. Our complete surrender, our hearts complete, our heart, our life, everything about us, heart, soul, mind, everything about us, complete surrender to him and delighting in him regardless of the things. Think of Paul in, in prison in Rome, and he writes in Philippians, I know how to be a base and I know how to be about, uh, to abound. I know what it's like to have nothing and to have a lot of things. But here he was in a Roman prison waiting for the church at Philippi to send him even things like daily sustenance. He didn't even have that, and yet it's the epistle of joy. Why? Because he delighted in the Lord. That's why, not in the provision of things. Oh, was he happy about those things? Read Philippians. Read where Paul says, I, I'm glad you sent me these things, but my life, these things that I needed, but my life isn't about these things that you sent me. This doesn't now make, in a sense, my life better or, in a sense, fulfill me. I delight in the Lord. So whether I have these things or not, it doesn't matter. I delight in Him. The context of this passage, this verse that is so often taken out of context, is about complete surrender, submission, and satisfaction in Him. And when we are completely delighting in Him, He gives us the desire of a heart because what is the desire of a heart? More of Him. Not more things. Not more money or possessions or a bigger house or a better job. Now, God may bless us with those things, but that's not what my life is about. That's not what I delight in. What I delight in is in him. I delight in him it, for everything and in every way in my heart, my life, my mind, my soul, my being. And when I do that, he gives me the desire of my heart because the desire of my heart is him above all else. That's what this passage is about. It's all about him. Not about me getting things. Not about me bettering my life in this world as so many use this verse out of context. Listen, God loves on us in so many ways and blesses us more than we can count or measure. But that's not what this passage is about. 
and we do an injustice to the text to lift this out of the context that it's in. We miss the message that it is giving us to try to apply it to some other thing, even though that other thing may be true. It's a misapplication of a text. I don't need to take this verse and apply it out of context to make the point that God answers prayer, blesses me, pours good gifts into my life. My life. I don't. I don't need to do that with this passage. It is so critically important to understand the Bible in its context, in the voice that it was written in, that we hear that voice. So I hope you, that this helps you better understand this passage more accurately, and perhaps it gives you a hunger and a desire to learn and to grow and to know more about God's Word. Uh, that's, that's one of my desires for this, this whole YouTube channel and, and podcast and everything, is to instill a desire in others to rightly divide God's Word. He tells us to do that. Um, that's a future episode coming up, by the way, so you want to stay tuned. Thank you for joining me on Rightly Dividing with Ron Anderson. I thoroughly enjoy sharing these uh, episodes with you, sharing this time with you. I enjoy immensely hearing from you the comments, uh, the emails uh, that I've been receiving. You can email me at rightlydividingtheword215 at gmail.com. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Uh, greatly appreciate all of you that are sharing this channel, uh, either through Facebook, YouTube, uh, your email list, friends list, how, however you're doing that. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much for joining me on Rightly Dividing with Ron Anderson. Take care. God bless.